This episode is in partnership with Authority Magazine. Authority Magazine, a medium publication, is devoted to sharing in-depth and interesting interviews featuring people who are authorities in business, pop culture, wellness, social impact, and tech. Today's guest on Believe in People will help us navigate the world of little people. He is Alan Redford, an advocate for accessibility and disability rights in a world that often ignores them. Alan, welcome to Believe in People. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Looking well, forward you know, to we're thrilled. We're actually thrilled because Adam Corelli uh, was very enthusiastic to introduce us to you. And we are thrilled that you said yes to being on our podcast. So thanks for that. Uh, one thing that struck me, Alan, is that you do or have done an awful lot in your life so far. You're the president of the Little People of Ontario and Canada. You're the president of the Dwarf Athletic Association of Canada. You're a wealth advisor with Scotia McLeod. And you have a master's in, okay, I hope I said this right, neuro neuroethology neuroethology that's correct Neuro, yeah. neuroethology and you perform live theater and have appeared in numerous film and television productions okay where does your motivation come from uh, just living life and having a good time um i think is really where it comes from but the other side of it is of course um doing good things i think so i think that's partly where the the charity stuff comes in and uh, helping the little people community and, you know, my community, I'm a little person. Um, I'm three feet, 10 inches tall. And uh, um, that's sort of the community that uh, I didn't actually grow up in. Um, I, I came into it much later in life. I was, uh, I was 40 actually. So um, I just, wow. there was a meeting in town in Toronto where I live. And a doctor that I knew said, why don't you come down? So I did and met a group of people that I really liked and uh, looked at what was going on within the community and said, you know, I can probably, I don't think I said that right away, but I put up my hand to volunteer to help. <laughs> and then I just kept putting up my hand to do um, uh, more and more things. So um, it's been really fulfilling it, it, and it continues to be. It's uh, we've had some real, really amazing and wonderful impact over the over the years. And, it, and it's not just me, of course, it's it's everybody. It's the team that um, that have rallied around some of the things that have gone on and uh, and improved the life um, of our of our community. I, I want to ask you. Um, and it, because of the positive things that you're doing, and I'd like you to tell us some of the positive, what those positive things are for the community. But I want to start off by asking you, what is it like to walk a mile in your shoes? But absolutely. You know what? In a way, I see the world the same way that you do. I see an average height world built for average height people. It's just that when I'm in it, it's not built for me. So for instance, uh, that seven inch rise on a step, for someone of average height, you know, if you're fairly, uh, um, uh, you're non-disabled, that's not a big deal. But even if somebody who has dwarfism, who is, um, doesn't have any other uh, disabilities going on other than the societal ones and some of the mobility things that go on, that's a much larger environment. It takes a lot more 
work to go up that step. For every step that you might take, we have to take two or three. So it's a much larger world. Reaching things is just not built for us. So that's probably the biggest um, a, a barrier that's put in place and is put in place by society itself. And when do you think that's going to change, Alan? Ah. Um, it, it's slowly changing over time. And, you know, we're getting better at it every day. Um, there are still some gaps that we're working hard towards it. And I don't mean just the little people organized. I think everybody's doing it. Um, there are, we're getting interviews from um, government organizations asking us what it's like to be a little person like thing. What do we need to think about driving cars? Um, accessing all sorts of other things. It's a different perspective than uh, simply um, 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 than simply walking around or even using a wheelchair or uh, something like that. It, it it's a different perspective, mm -hmm. uh, and I've had some interesting interesting um, outcomes with that when we we reveal that to some of the disability groups that really haven't quite thought of uh, what it's like to be a little person. So. Yeah, I, I I mean this is this may be off topic and out of line, but um, a summer and a half ago, I uh, I busted my leg quite badly, and I was confined to a wheelchair. I was confined to a wheelchair for you know seven or eight weeks, really, and I found that the public's perception of me as a person changed dramatically simply because somebody was pushing me in a wheelchair. Now, I, I, are you in a wheelchair right now? I, um, uh, actually, the chair I have that I'm sitting in my office is actually a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, but, so, but mostly, because it's, mostly because it's comfortable. Yeah. Well, but, uh, yes, I, I mean, do use a, a power chair when I'm out uh, going long distances and driving my van. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, but all of those things immediately have a public reaction to them, to you, because you're sitting in it. Um, and it's funny, you think you would think someone who has dwarfism or is a little person uh, would be hard to find in a crowd. And yet, I bet you often feel like you're the focus of people's attention, as in the, the people are zeroing in on you as if, I don't know, I mean, do you consider it a disability? Um, certainly the social model uh, would uh, you'd fall under a, a disability because the, simply because the world is not built for someone of short stature. Yeah. Um, so, but from the medical model, it depends. It depends on, um, um, depends on the criteria that are chosen. Yeah. So, um, you know, if, if, and there's a wide range of, of um, uh, types of dwarfism, there are over 400 types of dwarfism. Wow. And um, even then there's variability within people with dwarfism. The most, common form is achondroplasia. And you can get some very well and um, incredibly athletic um, people with achondroplasia and others who um, are using a wheelchair all the time. So um, often, I, I've, when I go to schools and give talks and things like that, I often say, well, what's the typical? And you go, you know, we're, you're putting a, a group of, of uh, very uh, varied individuals with different diagnosis and uh, and I guess that's the difference between being short and uh, having dwarfism. Dwarfism is an is a is a uh, a diagnosis, so it's a medical condition. Mm -hmm. It's just not that you're short. 
Um, in fact, that that um, that's kind of changing with new the, the new uh, medical um, uh, scene and, and things and treatments and whatnot. Um, things are changing, and also our population had been growing taller overall. So people with dwarfism were also growing taller. So the typical four foot, uh, 10 inch kind of uh, level at, it's kind of arbitrary. Because <laughs> now we have we have people with dwarfism that are over five feet. Um, wow. But their medical diagnosis is showing them that, you know, the genetics behind it is showing them that they have a, a, a diagnosed condition. Um, and sorry, I've got, I got lost on track Get me back and whether I, what was that question again? Well, no, I, I, you've explained the medical side of it, but what about the social side of it? I mean, uh, right, when you get on the subway, for example, can you even get on the subway? And what reaction do people have around you when you're on the subway? Gotcha. And then part of the reason I probably forgot about that is that I forget about it. You become so used to it um, from the day you're introduced into society that it just goes by. Um, I will often um, so you become kind of numb to it. Um, there, I mean, there are always um, it's always the kids that reach out, and of course, they're very they just see something different and they want to ask, yeah. and the reactions are always different. And the the thing that I and there and it's honest, so I, I don't have any problem with it. In fact, what I often do is reach out to them and try to catch their eye and introduce myself. Mm -hmm. I say, "Hi, I'm Alan. What's your name?" How are you? Kind of thing. And then the, the tricky part is the parents' reaction. Some of them are like dragging their kid away or doing something silly when all you really want is you just want to, to just want to say hi. You just want to make that connection. And uh and and you do. Um it's really neat. I and and to give you an example, when um um I was in line redeeming a a, a donation of a um, of a gift card. And there was a, 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 a young boy in front of me. He was about my height and his father was there and you're close up and he's staring right at me. Mm -hmm. And he turns to me and he goes, you have a big mustache. <laughs> it had nothing to do with my height. It had nothing to do with anything else. It was all about the mustache. <laughs> you know, uh, I was just, it was heartwarming. It was really wonderful. So and Alan, when did the, um, so I know that the Little People Organization was just developed in 1965. Then where did the Dwarf Athletic Association of Canada, where, where did that come about and what kind of athletes do you get? Yeah, uh, DAC um, was started in um, uh, 2012 in Alberta, actually. I was out on a, um, we were at a conference there in, in Calgary. And one of our, um, the World Dwarf Games were coming to, Lansing, Michigan in, uh, in 2013. And our LP um, athletes and our members were from across, from across Canada, actually, were going down to the States to compete in these, these events, but they were so close this time. It was, we figured it was time to actually have a Canadian team. So that's where it started. Uh, and we became incorporated as a not-for-profit in 2013. And then in in uh, uh, 2020, we got our full charitable status, and the the athletes, um, it's all abilities. It's the idea to um, have children and adults participate together, eye to eye, in an opportunity that they would never ever have 
because it it's um, the, you know typically they're they're competing against average height um, individuals. What and kind of a, what kind of uh, competition? What kind of sports? Uh, every basketball, soccer, um, um, volleyball, track and field, uh, swimming is a big one. And badminton, as a matter of fact, there are two. Uh, swimming and badminton are uh, actually para sports, and we have a number of uh, Canadians that are competing on the Paralympic level uh, uh, in the short. And it's not a short statured class, but essentially that's where we are. So, hmm. and it, it's it's quite competitive. It's really amazing, um, and it and it can be um, certainly from the all ability standpoint, it's it can be life changing. Uh, being able to uh, feel part of a group and all those benefits that. Uh, sports and um, teamwork and the camaraderie that go along. Um, sure, sure. Um, uh, exercise, exercise. Uh, camaraderie, as you mentioned. Um, the health and well-being. Self, you know, we're not talking self, just self-esteem. We're all, also talking about mental fitness as well. Yeah, and, sure. And I have a number of stories where people have come to me and said, uh, you know, you've changed my, you saved my life. Wow. Or uh, I've immediately felt accepted. Um, um, one lovely story was we had one of our basketball events and um, the the young boy had come in and he wasn't he wouldn't didn't couldn't really move from around his mother's legs. He did, wasn't sure what to do. And um, then after they played it, they did some team sports and they get like what I mean, um, practices and games and things like that. And the other older um, athletes who were there were helping them out. And, you know, they weren't trying to win. They were trying to all work together. And by the end, uh, we, you know, we had our sort of lunch and the break. And then in the game, we had a, in the afternoon, we had a, a scrimmage. And um, he, he was running back and forth for most of, the, most of the day and most of the morning. And all of a sudden, all I heard was, go, red team, go, go, red team, go we're looking around going and there he was in the middle of the court lying on the ground with his hand up yelling go red team go I guess because running back and forth he was tired but he didn't want to leave and he was there <laughs> he was part of a team yeah and he then won. I heard his, then I heard his mother say oh my god that's my kid <laughs> I I can never get him to do anything like that he, when I goes out and plays average height basketball it's all i can do to get him from playing on the rocks on the floor yeah. on the ground so here he was part of the team didn't want to leave and uh um just it's things like that that really make you feel that they were doing a really great job and uh having an impact um on uh not just not that just the young boy but family and friends and everyone who was there well, that obviously for the folks participating there's that sense of camaraderie but it also would clearly um, spread awareness of of the abilities as opposed to the disabilities that we all think people in that position, your position, have. Um, I want to ask you, along those lines, when when you come across an actor like Peter Dinklage, for example, who has achieved such, him. such fame and, and such fame uh, because of his skills and his acting abilities, does does all of this sort of assist in the cause? Uh, Peter's a great advocate. Absolutely. I've never met him, don't know him, only know him from his great work on the screen. And yeah, his, I love him. All his awards. 
Um, abs absolutely. I mean, this awareness and bringing um, not just people with um, dwarfism into film and commercials and all that stuff, into the media in general, um, but um, people with all abilities um, or people with disabilities, uh, you know, ma making uh, what we see on television and uh, on screen and everywhere, um, I think we need to be, well, I think everybody is sort of in the media feel that that's the, what's the way we should go and um, to make the world seem what it is and, and not something artificial, uh, yeah. bring us all into that together. So we're, we're not, yeah. we're not, so they, we're, 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 when we're meeting in the grocery store, for instance, and I see that, that young boy and he doesn't talk about my height necessarily. That's not the first thing he talks about. It's okay to talk about it, but you know, there we go. It's, it wasn't, uh, we're not some character on, on television where yeah. we're, we're all human. We're, we're people trying to do things we want to do and have some fun and, um, and spread a little kindness everywhere. Exactly. And Alan, I want to, so do, I want to talk about your acting uh, live and in uh, film and the Kenny versus Spenny, because yeah. Spenny's a good friend of mine. So I, I was looking for that episode. I couldn't find it, but I'd like to hear about that. But what's the biggest misconception that we have that able, that, uh, that we, ha we have about uh, little people? The biggest misconception. Um, I think it's probably that, um, um, and I think it just simply comes from from thought, you know, you just thoughtfulness. They don't think about it. It's that immediate reaction when you see somebody that they're different than you. I think that's probably it. Um, the other side, too, is uh, simply not knowing what it's like to live in a world that's not built for you. Uh, and, and Kevin, you started off with that. And I think that was a great place to start because that's it. Um, and I think part, I think maybe that this show is kind of nice like that. And you're able to show what it's like uh, to a group of people who, who can see others in uh, a different light in a different way. Uh, well, isn't it, isn't it interesting? I mean, I spent my entire career in television and um, <laughs> you've just mentioned something that I've never really considered. And that is that television actually can be a very unnatural place. Because in many ways, there is no variety. And because all kinds of different flavors of people exist everywhere, but you don't see them on television. And if you don't see them on television, then you're not going to be used to seeing people like that. It's that's I mean, that's a very interesting point. Or you don't see you see some strange. Yeah um uh, messed up un unreal situation uh, you know the reality tvs where they're looking for um yeah. uh, drama and things and you know life isn't like that i mean one of the big things big things that used to drive me nuts too is you, you'd see something in a movie or on television where somebody would hit you know get mad and hit the you know the jealous the jealous boyfriend would hit the other guy and i'm going no <laughs> <laughs> You'd end up in, you know, in court or something, you know, yeah. don't, don't teach that. <laughs> That's where I the know. drama comes from. Yeah. yeah. When did your alien. acting career start? Sorry, Kev. I when was just going to say they make a, but, the, and then they, because you can't, 
I'm maybe I'm going a little too deep here, but because you are too afraid to address the variety in people, you create aliens to give to, to yeah. give us phony senses of, of fear and anxiety. Because he always, it's my big deal this year. Is like we always have to be afraid of something, whether it's the weather or the short person in the line at the grocery store. But you always got to be afraid of something. And if you can't be afraid of that, then we have to create something to make us afraid of something, you know, and that, anyway, that's probably why people are pulling their children away from you when it's like, why the hell would you do that? Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. Although that's happening less and less. Like I, it, it is improving, um, which is really okay. terrific. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying it's perfect. Uh, I was speaking with someone um, yesterday and, uh, you know, they're going through some mental health issues and some, um, you know, it's in society is, he feels that they're treating them poorly and things like that, you know, and um, sometimes it is a bit of a mindset and, um, and that's too bad. You know, we need to, we need to change that as I, and I think that's good for everybody. So uh, getting, get, not being afraid. Um, I think that is very important. You know, where we just go on, or maybe the other side of it is not be so angry. I know. So refreshing. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. Like just, just be nice. I know. Really? Exactly. And Alan, when did your acting career start for you? Oh, uh, in um, 1997, I think, uh, is when it started. And uh, uh, well, I should stick my, my sort of career in that area was then, but I've been in the film industry um, since I was born. My mother um, uh, was a professional makeup artist. She started the um, makeup department at the CBC in 1956. Oh. And uh, her, her name's Irene Kent. Um, and um, so I, I grew up in it. And, uh, um, and I, it's funny, my mother said, oh, you don't want to get into the business. It's hard and all that stuff, right? Um, and she started the, um, the IATSE uh, 876, um, sorry, 873, it, um, as one of the six founding members wow. um, here in, in Toronto. And, uh, you know, she was a member for over 60 years of the international. Um, and then one day somebody met me on the street and said, hey, you, 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 could, you could make a lot of money. You could do whatever, like agent meeting somebody there, go figure. Yeah. And uh, I went, oh, yeah, right, kind of thing. And I sort of went home and I was speaking to other people and said, yeah, I think you'd probably be pretty good at that. All of a sudden, I get a call, not from that person on the street, but from someone else who had mentioned to someone else or whatever, why don't you go on this audition? So I did. I went on a couple few auditions, and one of them I got, and I had, it was a 10-day shoot on a series. I had, um, um, I think I had s seven of 10 days, and I came home, and I was hooked. It was fabulous. And the other funny thing is that my mother looked at me, and she said, so, and I went, and my dad went, uh oh, like both, <laughs> you, I know that look, that look in both of your eyes in terms of, uh, and again, it's the camaraderie and the thrill and the creation and the art that goes into it. It was really, it was really wonderful. Um, uh, and I did a whole number of things all over the years. I'm not doing as much now. Um, my hips have gone, and I'm not able to do to get around as much anymore. But and my endurance is kind of reduced, so. I, I did I did some background work uh, this past summer, but even then, in in my chair, apparently I'm the only um, 
uh, elderly male who uses a wheelchair in the ACTRA um, uh, roster. Really? Well, yeah, apparently. Really? Wow. Huh. <laughs> well, then, then of all things, eh? And what kind of roles did you get, Alan? Um, uh, things that in the beginning, things that would not be um, uh, particularly palatable. They were stereotypes, stereotypical things that I yeah. wouldn't do now. Um, but I still had a lot of fun at the time and we made the changes. But then we, we got roles that were just regular roles. Uh, I mean, the, the role, I mean, I want to bring up Kenny versus Fenny stuff. So, um, I mean, that was, uh, I, I just really got the call. And went out and did the did the show. Um, what was the episode? Uh, who can who can go longest without using their arms? Uh, and okay. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and? So, the, so the guys were all wrapped up, and they couldn't use their arms. And but eventually, I came in, and uh, um, uh, Kenny just wrapped me around him, like hung me on him. So effectively, I was his arms. Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, so it was pretty funny. I mean, the the show, um, you know, the show pushes boundaries in all sorts of oh, ways. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think the fans are great. They're still, I'm still on the Facebook page, and uh, um, um, like I said, the fans do reach out to me. Or on the on the street, I'll be away. I was in Amsterdam, and somebody approached me in the street. I was in Cuba or um, wherever. There's usually somebody around that will yell out. Kenny versus Fanny or something like that. That's all the weird. little things that I've done over the years or the big things or whatnot. This is the one thing. And, and I think it's hilarious. I think it's really funny. I love it. You know, uh, as we as we reach the end of our time here, um, it, everything that you have said has been positive. You haven't said anything negative about anything, even in the gracious way you refer to people who you know, uh, back away because because of their own prejudices. You're even positive about them. Uh, I want to ask you, because you could have gone the other way and been, you know, an angry and negative guy. You even said that we shouldn't have any anger in our world. Um, we ask this every week. Uh, why do you believe in people? Oh, boy. Um, I, who else are you going to believe in? That's who we are. You've got to believe. If you don't believe in people, you, you, you've got to believe in yourself. So, and we're all people. Um, I think that's it. With Without people, who would we be? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Alan, Alan, thank you. You're very welcome. Take care. Thank you so much. And keep thank doing the so great much. work that you both do. It's really fun. Thanks, Alan. I am inspired because he is, uh, Alan has such a great attitude. And I just feel that it is really a mindset, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not just his mindset. It's our mindset. Like, what's the diff? What's the difference? Plus, you know, like he says, they have to walk three times as many steps to get up the stairs. You know, we, we have to start including these sorts of things when we're thinking about designing buildings and subways and walkways and stadiums or stadia or whatever. Anyway, it was great, such a great thing to meet him and what a positive guy. So thanks for being on with us. And if you've liked this episode, because I don't know anyone who would not like this episode, please subscribe to Believe in People. Take care, everyone.